comes in the face of darkness, in the face of adversity, in the face of difficulties we will face, we will be a people of God who will raise our hands and say, I'm not going to choose to bow to that. I'm going to choose to praise. I'm going to choose to praise the one who's above it. Praise the one who has overcome it. So sing this praise with me one more time and say, say I choose to praise and to glorify. scripture before we sing this next song together. Isaiah 9 says, for to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called. Wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting father, the prince of peace. And then it goes on to say, of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth and forevermore. Church, these scriptures are a prophecy of who the Messiah would be and what he would do. And the birth of our King Jesus is the fulfillment of this prophecy. Isn't that good news? Yeah. Oh, that Jesus came. So Jesus is our wonderful counselor. Jesus is our mighty God. Jesus is our everlasting father and our prince of peace. For Jesus is everything that he promised he would be. So we've come to adore him, to adore this king.
Sunday, we come in here and start singing Christmas songs. It's one of my favorite Sundays. And uh, I, I'm, I woke up this morning and I thought there are two ways in 35 years of following Jesus, there's two ways I've seen God move in my life. There are times where it's just an instant miracle, where God just intervenes. I mean, it's, it's right away. And I like those, right? Spontaneous, it's God doing something that I could not do on my own and it happened right away. But then most of the time, I see God in the long story of my life being faithful over years and decades. And I look up one day and something that I prayed about 20 years ago suddenly happens. I woke up this morning. I mean, the very first thought when I woke up very early this morning, the Lord said to me, today is the day. Something that I've been praying for, you've been praying for, we've been praying for, for 16 years. The Lord said, today is the day. It's going to happen today, right now. And I wanna encourage you, there's some of you that have been praying for something in your life. You've been praying for a prodigal, you've been praying for whatever it is. You've been carrying a burden for years, decades. There will come a day where you will wake up. I'm speaking this over you. You're gonna wake up one day and the Lord says, today is today. It's going to happen today. And all those years of you being faithful, of you being prayerful, of you being holy before the Lord, of you crying out, all those tears. Listen, there's not been one prayer that you've ever prayed that the Lord did not hear. He's heard all of your prayers. He has listened to your supplications. He has heard you lament. He's heard you cry out to the Lord. I can tell you a thousand times, and that's not an exaggeration, a thousand times I have said to the Lord, let the mountain of debt be moved in this place. And I did not know how it was going to happen. I didn't know when it was going to happen. I didn't know which Sunday that I would stand here and declare that it's done. But I'm declaring over you today, today it's done. It's going to happen today in Jesus' name. <clears throat> now, if you're new to New Life, you say, what is he talking about? If this is your first Sunday, you've actually picked a really good Sunday to show up for the first time because this is an historic moment in the 39 year history of our church. When I came here 16 years ago, we had $26 million of debt that really nobody knew about. I had to tell you for the first time, and there was an audible gasp in the room when I said, we owe $26 million, $155,000 a month mortgage payment. That was no fun. That was, it was a burden that I carried, all of us carried. I felt it physically, spiritually. I felt it on my shoulders every time I walked into this building. And I felt like the Lord said, there will come a day where you will speak to that mountain and it will be moved into the ocean. And today I've been asking you now, for, I know you're tired of me talking about it, but I mean, here we are today. Months ago, I asked you to pray about this day, this moment. Would you give sacrificially? Would you give something over and above your tithes and offerings? Would you be generous today that we can move this mountain so that instead of sending money to our banking friends who I love and admire, I wanna put money into the hands of single moms, single dads, the poor, the broken. I wanna send that money out into our city. We're not doing this so we can have nicer things. We're not doing that for that. We're doing this so we can be a blessing, so we can be a, the salt and light of the world around, not only in Colorado Springs, but all over the world. So if you're here today and you brought your offering, we're gonna, in just a moment, we're gonna sing a song and this song is, I asked for this song because it's a song of gratitude. It's a song of giving thanks. And as we're singing that song, I'm just gonna ask you to pray. Hold, if you have the offering in your hand, just pray over it. 
and then get out with, and bring your whole family. If you're, if you're here by yourself, come on down. If you're here with family and friends, all of you come down together. Make this a, 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 a family event. And come and you see there's, ba- there's uh, baskets here on the front. There's baskets in the back. If you're, if you're sitting in the back and don't want to walk all the way down the front, there's in the back. There's offering, those offering boxes are back there as well. There's also, if you, maybe if you have a gift and you want to give cash today or if you want to use your debit card, there's offering envelopes right in front of you right now, right in front of your seat. Take that out and fill that out. We're going to take our time. We're not in a hurry. And this is the way to give. There's a QR code there if you want to give on your smartphone today. I don't know how to do that, but I'm sure some of you will figure it out. I came today ready to give. And the Lord says, today is the day. Right now, in this moment. Can we pray together? There's, lots, there's, there's tons of faith in the room today. I just feel the electricity of faith in the room today. And Father, I thank you today for the, these people that are in front of me and my family. This is my church family. And I thank you today that we have not carried this burden alone. All of us have shouldered this responsibility. All of us have carried this collectively as a church. But Lord, this morning we thank you today that you have blessed us. You have given us increase. And Lord, it is our joy today. It is our joy to be able to give to the kingdom of God today, to eliminate debt, Lord, so that our church can run stronger, that our church can run faster, that our church can be a blessing. Father, we thank you today for this privilege, for this joy, for this opportunity. Thank you today that we stand here in your presence, able to give, willing to give. And we thank you for that in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Let it be done. Amen. Come on, say amen to that. Let it be done. We're going to sing, and whenever you're ready, whenever you feel you're ready, just step out of your seat, come down and give us in the back or in the front. Let's give as an act of our worship today. Let's let in Jesus' name. Amen.
toward the Lord today and give thanks for what he just did, what he has done, what he is doing, and what he will do. Father, for everything, with everything, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we bless those, bless everyone. I pray the blessings over those who gave, those who were not able to give, those who could give, blessings from the Lord today, strength from the Lord today. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our church. We're grateful that you're present, that you are Emmanuel right here among us. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, turn and tell somebody you like them. Tell them, tell them hello, greet somebody. Turn and make a friend, say hi. Good morning. Merry Christmas. We can say that now, right? It's December. We say it the whole month. Merry Christmas to all of you. I love these mornings. I love when we see a collaboration, when we see solidarity with one another. It's, just, it's moving to me as a pastor to see us in unity. I don't know how, I know you know this, but it's probably the thing that we fight for the most, contend for the most, is unity, right? We, we, we contend for it. It's a, and it's a fight worth fighting. It is, uh, it's worth doing the hard work because when you find it, that's where God dwells. God dwells with the brothers and sisters who are in unity. And I'm grateful for that. I feel that today. Thank you for that. I want to remind you that if you're watching online, we did get some online gifts over the weekend. So don't judge the person next to you if they didn't come out and give. I thought about that because a lot of people give online. So I don't want you to feel bad if you're like, hey, I gave online. Thank you for giving online. So we, I'm just a, don't judge the person next to you for not walking down, I thought about that. The weird things that go through my mind, sorry. My sensitivities to the congregation. And those of you watching online, thank you for, we got some gifts this week from all over the United States that people that watch us online, they wanted to be a part of the legacy offering. So thank you for people in Minnesota and Massachusetts and Maryland, people sending money in over the week. Thank you for that, I really mean that. And I want you to turn in, the, uh, in your Bible to Acts chapter 12. I'm going to share with you a message that I felt over the Thanksgiving holidays, the Lord just dropped this message into my heart for our church right now. And I know this is the first Sunday of Advent. I don't necessarily have a Christmas message today, but I think this is the right message for today. I think it's the message that we need to hear today. I think it's the message that's going to strengthen you and encourage you today in Acts chapter 12. While you're turning there, I want to remind you that this Wednesday night is first Wednesday. It's going to be a great night. We're gonna gather in this room and celebrate and worship and pray together. I don't know if I'll have a report for you on Wednesday night, I'll try, uh, but, we, but we're definitely next Sunday, you're not gonna to wanna to miss next Sunday as I give you a report on what happened today, but come first Wednesday, it's our final prayer meeting of the year, and I think we need to end the year in prayer. Our, our world needs a praying church right now, our city needs a praying church right now, and so block off this hour, it's one hour, could you not tarry with me one hour, right? And come on Wednesday night and be a part of First Wednesday at 6.30. Are you in Acts chapter 12 yet? All right, the title of this message today is Sleeping Saints and an Unstoppable Kingdom. And that's what I feel today the Lord is speaking to us is that the saints are awakening around the world right now. 
And what happens when you see war and calamity and bloodshed and violence break out, there's two, two responses to that. We can cower in fear and, and really uh, just shrink back, or we can rise up and be people of prayer and faith. And this was the choice that the early church had to face over and over again. In this particular story in Acts chapter 12, one of their great leaders, Peter, has been put in prison. And this is the third time that he's been put into prison. And the church is devastated because they really did think that they were about to have a winning streak. Instead, one of their great leaders is arrested. And this guy who arrested him, Herod, is, is no joke. He's the nephew of Herod who killed John the Baptist. And so the whole church realizes the same fate that happened to John the Baptist is about to happen to Peter if we don't pray. Let's read this together, verse one. It was about this time that King Herod arrested some who belonged to the church, intending to persecute them. Now that, that, that word actually could be prosecute or persecute, means the same thing basically. But they really did think that Peter was going to lose his life. He had James, the brother of John, put to death with the sword. So he's already killed one of the church leaders. James, the brother of Jesus, has already been put to death. And when he saw that this met with approval among the Jews, he proceeded to seize Peter also, and this happened during the festival of unleavened bread, Passover time. Now this is, a, the irony of this is, is not lost on me. We'll get to that in just a moment. But mark that in your Bible about the time that Peter was arrested. And after arresting him, he put him in prison, handing him over to be guarded by four squads of four soldiers each. 16 people guarding one guy. Herod intended to bring him out for public trial after the Passover. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we thank you today that we belong to the church of Jesus Christ. We thank you that on this rock you will build your church and the gates of hell will not overwhelm it, will not overcome it. Father, we thank you that we live under your protection, that we're in the palm of your hand today. That no matter what news we hear, uh, no matter what sights we see, no matter what feelings we're feeling today, the reality is this, that we have been adopted as sons and daughters and we belong to your family, the church. And Father, on many days that will have to be enough. And it is enough. It's always enough. And we ask this in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Peter is put in prison during Passover. The time that the Jewish people celebrated their deliverance from Egypt. This is not lost on me that the time we're supposed to be celebrating, there was mourning in the land. Right now, this is the Christmas season. I just heard this week that the town of Bethlehem is canceling all of their Christmas festivities this year in the West Bank. We were just there last summer. I was in the city of Bethlehem. We went into the, 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 the church there in the middle of Bethlehem, met a bunch of Palestinian Christians. There's a really large growing number of Jesus followers in the West Bank, in, in, in Bethlehem. The, the church, there's the a college of Bethlehem there. There's a university there, a Bible school there. We met with their president of the Bible school there in the West Bank. So I just wanna encourage you when you hear the word Palestinian, when you hear the word West Bank, when you hear the word Gaza, know this, that there's, there's certainly a lot of evil everywhere but in the middle of that evil, there is a remnant of godly, holy, Jesus-following, spirit-filled believers in Gaza and in the West Bank. I've met them, I know them, I know their names. I've had meals with them, I've eaten with them, I've listened to their story. So just be encouraged that Jesus is on the move. 
That, that the gates of hell will not prevail in Gaza. The gates of hell will not prevail in the West Bank. The gates of hell will not prevail in Israel. There's a remnant. And, and listen, this is what we have to come to grips with as followers of Jesus, as people of the way. There will always be those who oppose us. Opposition from the enemy is always going to be present, even in our times of celebration. Listen, we're not canceling Christmas at New Life Church. This is a moment as a church where we actually need to slow down a bit, where we need to like slow our pace down and wait for the arrival, the advent, the arrival of our Savior. He's coming. And on Christmas Eve, we're going to have three amazing celebrations here at New Life Church to celebrate the arrival of our Savior. All right, let's go to verse 5. I'm going to show you some parts of this story that are really fascinating to me. It says, so Peter was kept in prison, but the church, the brothers and sisters, the, 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 the called out ones, the ones who belong to the way, the ones who had given their lives to Jesus, they were earnestly praying to God for him. Now that word earnestly is fervently and without ceasing. So when I'm calling you to a first Wednesday service, I'm not calling you to another gathering. Actually, I don't need more things on my calendar. I really don't. You don't need more stuff to go to. But the reason we gather is because prayer is the engine. Prayer is what causes everything else to happen in the city. And I believe now, as a church, we need to gather and fervently pray. We need to increase our amount of prayers. We need to come together and collectively pray for the things that are happening in the world. In fact, when we feel powerless, I want to remind you, you always have the power of prayer. Prayer is one of the most powerful and underused weapons in our arsenal. The moment when I feel the weakest, the moment when I feel unstable or unsafe or insecure, that's the moment that the Holy Spirit calls me into a life of prayer. And that's where I recover my senses. That's where I recover my courage. That's where I recover my strength. That's the place where you find the goodness of the Lord is in the place of prayer. When you feel powerless, you always have the power of prayer. Here's, here's some things I want you to remember. Here's a simple plan for our prayers. Okay, listen very carefully. Simple, simple plan for our prayers. Number one, when you come into this place of prayer like the early church, listen carefully. I said this morning when I woke up, I, I, the first thing I said to the Lord, come Holy Spirit. I've been doing that now for seven or eight years, just waking up and I just put my hands in the, before the Lord like this in my bedroom. It's dark and quiet every morning, almost every morning for seven straight years. I've just been waking up, come Holy Spirit. And then I sit there for another 30 seconds, 60 seconds, whatever, and I listen. I just listen. The Lord spoke to me a few weeks ago about something for Abram, a profound word. I mean, a life-altering word for Abram. And I can't, it's private between the two of us, but it, that word came to me early in the morning as I said, come Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit said, I have something for you this morning. So the first posture that we take in prayer is to listen. Listen, this is not a monologue, it's a dialogue. It's not us talking to God, it's God responding back to us. This morning when I woke up, I said, come Holy Spirit. And the Lord said, today is the day, Brady. 16 years you've been praying for this miracle, today is the day. I heard that this morning as clearly as I heard anything ever from the Lord. Today is the day. 
And this is kind of a funny story because Pam sleeps a little bit. She likes to sleep in a little bit on Sunday mornings. And I'm up early, very early praying. And so I'm actually, it's like, I don't know, 7.30. I'm walking out of the house this morning. And Pam wakes up out of a dead sleep and goes, today is the day. <laughs> Confirming what I had heard. Today, go get him, he said. And then she went right back to sleep. It's like, <laughs> well, the Lord just sparked her for some reason. <laughs> But this is what we do. We come into the place of prayer and the Lord wants to speak to us. He wants to have a conversation with every one of you, not just a pastor, not just a handful of us, all of us. And then the second thing he wants us to do, he wants you to ask boldly. This is not a time for timid prayers. This is not a time for timid people to ask for timid things. This is a time for a bold people to ask for bold things. And I want to encourage you to come back into your place of boldness when you pray. I, I know it's bold to ask for, to pay off debt. That is the, it's the, it's the least appealing thing to do, to pay off debt. I thought, let's build an orphanage. Let's build a church. Let's, let's do that, pay off debt. I, I know that when I say that to you, that you, that has to be something that the spirit speaks to all of us. Because in the natural, that's not fun. That's not any fun to do that. But the Lord spoke to our elders two years ago. He said, Brady, ask boldly. Now I want you to remember two years ago, we had $9.7 million of debt two years ago. And today we're gonna to pay it off. That's because we started asking boldly, all of us. We begin to pray bolder prayers. Lord, we don't, we don't see how this is possible in the, in, in, the, in the natural realm. We have sky high inflation, we have an uncertain economy, we have political unrest, we have military unrest around the world. People are unsettled, they're uncertain. And the Lord says, now, do it now. While Peter's in prison, pray. We don't pray once Peter gets out of prison. You pray when he's in prison. When you also have a chance to be arrested, pray boldly. Listen carefully, pray boldly. And then the third thing is trust completely. You just gotta make up your mind that God's able. You gotta, you, listen, some of you need to settle that in your soul today. God is able and God is willing. It's one thing for God to be able to do something. It's another thing to believe that he's willing to do it. Listen, he's willing and he's able. And you have to believe that. If you don't believe that, you will stop praying. That's what keeps you from praying. You don't believe God's willing. He's not, he's not concerned about me. He's, he's not concerned that Peter's in prison. Yes, he is. Well, can God do it without me asking? Yes, but he wants our participation. Listen, this has always been a family event for God. God in his sovereignty can do whatever he wants. I believe that absolutely. He does not need my permission to bless me or bless you or do anything else. But what he wants is for me to walk alongside him. He wants me to get into the yoke with him. He says, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light, but he wants us in the yoke. He doesn't want the yoke, the responsibilities of your life to overwhelm you, but he wants you in the yoke. He wants you to feel a little bit of the burden with him. Do you think, let me ask you a question. Do you think, this is a serious question. I just had this conversation with a pastor friend of mine. Do you think that God cares about lost people? I'm talking about people that are not gonna spend eternity with him if they don't say yes to Jesus at some point. Do you think that is a, a heavy burden to God? That it should be a heavy burden to us. Remember years ago, we used to talk about soul winning. Remember that growing up? We need to be soul winners. And then we kind of reduced it down. Well, maybe we should just be witnesses. 
Well, then the third thing, well, maybe we should just, you know, share our story. Kind of be, kind of share every once in a while. Now we're not even talking about it. But when I grew up, my pastor stood in front of me every single Sunday and said, go out of here and go win some souls. You know why? Because there's a burden that God feels for people who are far away from him. So why does your pastor not get up in the pulpit and bark at every, every social issue? Because I'm trying to win them. I want Jesus, I want them to know Christ. I want them to be baptized. I want them to be radically changed. I'm not gonna bark at them. Sinner's sin, right? You were sinners. I was a sinner. We got found. I'm hoping everybody else gets found. Hey Amen. Come on, somebody. <laughs> that was all free of charge. <laughs> Sorry, God. I haven't preached in a couple of weeks, you know, so I'm going to get on my soapbox. All right, verse six. Go back to verse six. Look, let me tell you what happens. So listen carefully, pray boldly, trust completely when you come into your prayer time. The night before Herod was to bring him to trial. I mean, it's D-Day now. The night before, and they all knew it was the next day. Have you, ever, have you ever felt that kind of pressure in your prayer time where you know if God doesn't do it right now, it's not going to happen? I'm talking about realizing that it, it's, it's, it's the moment of decision right now. The night before, Herod was to bring him to trial. Peter was sleeping. I love this. I love that Peter was a professional napper. I have a PhD in napping. I'm good at it. I mean, I, I've, I've written a book about it, actually. I got, it's a good book, too. It's all napping, taking rest. I love that the day before he could have lost his life, how many of you would have been sound asleep? You know why Peter was sound asleep? Because this was the third time he had been put in jail. Listen, let me remind you of something, New Life Church. I've been, I'm 56 years old. I have seen too many miracles not to believe in them. You can't talk me out of it. I've just seen too many. See, I mean, I've just seen God move so many times. You can't talk me out of believing that God's not a miracle-working, powerful being who's in, interested in my life. Peter is sound asleep. Crashed, snoring, making noises sleep. I mean, deep in the woods sleep, having dreams kind of sleep. Now, how do I know that? He was sleeping between two soldiers. Have you ever smelled a soldier in a, in a prison cell? Come on. These are not, the, this is not the cream of the crop that's guarding him, okay? He says that he's between two soldiers bound with two chains. Think about how you, your sleep apnea machine on both wrists, all right? <laughs> and sentries stood guard at the entrance. So you got people watching you. So you're between two soldiers. You're bound with chains. You got people watching you. And he's asleep. He is crashed. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared. And by the way, that was not enough to wake him up. It says, an angel of the Lord appeared and a light shone in the cell and Peter is still asleep. He struck Peter on the side to wake him up. That's a good nap. You got a cat in your lap. You got the game on TV. It is snowing outside kind of nap. I'm talking deep in the woods sleep. He says, quick, get up. And the chains fell off Peter's wrist. Fell off. Now, Peter was in the prison for the third time. He has escaped before. Let me, I just, I felt today when I woke up, let me remind you that God has been faithful to you. Somebody say amen if that's true. Amen. Now, I want you to think right now about some, something in the last 10 years 
an event in your life where God intervened on your behalf. Think about it right now, just for a moment, and give him thanks for it. Give him thanks for how faithful he has been. And today, we saw God's faithfulness. And listen, we're not done seeing God's faithfulness. There will be days and months and years in our future where God will show himself to be true and faithful to us. And, and, and this is, it's, it's not lost on me that Peter's asleep, and we're a culture right now that cannot rest. We're a culture, think about, look at, listen to all the commercials that you're seeing right now on social media, on television, or whatever, whatever broadcast. It's either for an energy drink or a sleep aid. This is to wake you up and put you to sleep. We don't know how to live with healthy rhythms. It's an energy drink to wake us up or something to cause us to go to sleep at night. Listen, our bodies were made to work hard and rest well organically. It's when, they, when it gets out of order, we don't know how to go to sleep and we don't know how to wake up and do hard work. And Peter had found something. There was a secret sauce that Peter had discovered. He's in a jail cell. It could have been his last night on the planet. And he's asleep. He is so asleep that the angel has to come and give him an elbow in the ribs and shine a bright light to wake him up. And I want you to look at verse 24. And this is really the crux of the message today. It says, verse 24, he comes out of the jail cell. He appears to the church. And the word of God continued to increase and to spread. New Life Church, I know it's easy right now to see the things that are happening in the world. You see darkness, death, despair. I don't know how many of you saw those, those hostages being released and being reunited to their families. It was so emotional. It was, I, I watched almost all of that, those videos of those little kids coming out of captivity, coming to their parents, crying and sobbing the stories of their captivity being broadcast all over the world. My heart was so moved by redemption coming out of captivity. This is a Peter in the prison moment. This is Peter coming out of the prison, reunited with his family, with the church that he loved, the people that he loves. Listen, every time you think that the darkness has become overwhelming, the light will always break through. The light will always overwhelm the darkness. The darkness does not have the final word in your life. Darkness is but a momentary thing, but the light is eternal. The light of Jesus will shine. The Bible says that the new heaven, listen to this, the new heaven and the new earth, there will never be a nighttime. It's gonna be a perpetual noonday experience in the new heaven and the new earth. There will be no night. There will be no death. There will be no sickness. There will be no tears in the new heaven and the new earth. Why? Because the light will finally break through forever and always. That is your future. That's what you have to hope for. That's what you have to long for. The kingdom of God cannot be put in prison or stopped by shackles or irons. The kingdom of heaven is a powerful thing. In fact, the more the church is pressured, the more it grows and thrives. I want to tell you one time uh, we were in, uh, in, in the UK. We were actually right outside Oxford at a, a hidden location, an undisclosed location, I'll never forget this as long as I live. An organization invited me to come over. We, we, we flew into London, drove to Oxford, then got in a car and drove to like a, a, a hidden spot in the woods. Pretty big house out in the middle of nowhere, but covered with heavy timber all around us. You couldn't see the house from the highway. And we walked in and there were about 25 young Iranian pastors in the house. They had, they had gotten out of Iran and gotten into the UK and they were there for a respite. They were there to rest. They were exhausted. 
And this organization takes these pastors out of Iran and gives them a chance to refuel and refresh so they can go back into Iran, which is a, a, an incredibly difficult place to be a pastor. So this one pastor is sitting in front of me. He says, I have to move my family every six months to avoid authorities. Our church has to relocate every six months. We can't meet in the same place for six months. We, we meet, I said, well, how often do you meet? He goes, as often as possible. And I thought there will come a day in America where I will hear the same thing. Pastor Brady, when can we meet again? I, I, we can't go many days without meeting. We, we can't go many days without being together. He says, our very survival depends on us looking at one another, being together, being in a room together. And I, we spent two days with these pastors and they were telling me stories. This one pastor told me a story. He said, I've been in prison many times. I've been beaten within an inch of my life more than once. He's a young guy in his 30s, pastoring a church of about 40 people, which is a large church in Iran. But just a few years ago, there's only about 100,000 believers in Iran. There's a million today. There's a million believers in Iran. And listen, he said, he, he told me to give you a message, by the way. He says, whenever you see the protest in Iran, when you see thousands of people walk in the streets in protest, he goes, most of those people are Christ followers. A lot of those people, he says, we're, we're crying out for justice in Iran. He said, we're a small majority. He said, but when you see us walking the streets, protesting our government, he says, a lot of people in that crowd are Jesus followers. And that marked me. Now, every time I see some kind of unrest in Iran and they show some crowd in, uh, in Iran protesting, I begin to pray over my brothers and my sisters who have found themselves under tremendous oppression. And yet they're crying out to the Lord. They do not take for granted that they get to be together. They say, when we get together, it lasts for hours and they have to have centuries outside the door checking on people. They, uh, they have government officials that are infiltrating their church, he said, we'll, he said, we'll look up one day and somebody that's been in our church for three months is a government spy, listening to everything we say. And, and, we, and, and then we have to confront this person and then we have to secretly find another place to meet and try to avoid the spies that are coming into our church. Listen, I wanna tell you something. Every time the pressure and oppression, the darkness comes against the people of God, the people of God explode and grow. This has been 2,000 years a bona fide proof. Listen, New Life Church, I don't know if the pressure is going to ease up, but the glory is going to increase around this place. You're going to see the presence of the Lord. The word of God will continue to increase and to spread. It's happening all over the world. I've come today to encourage you, New Life Church. You may find yourself right now in the battle of your life. You may feel like that the walls are closing in on you, but I have good news. The Lord loves you. The Lord knows you, the Lord is for you, the Lord is with you, and the Lord is standing right beside you right now. He is in front of you and behind you, above you and below you. He has encompassed you, he has encased you, he is with you. All we have to do is cry out to the Lord. I want you to stand with me this morning. We're gonna take some moment. I'm through a little early on purpose because we're also, in just a moment, we're gonna, we kind of changed up the order of service. We're gonna dedicate some babies to the Lord at the end of the service today. And we're gonna come to the table of the Lord. Those of you who serve at the table of the Lord, would you come down right now? But before that, I wanna pray over you as your pastor. I want us to, I wanna take this moment and I want us to be gentle with each other. I want you to ask the Lord, Lord, would you stir up compassion for my brothers and my sisters? And maybe you don't have anything particular to pray about. So would you just pray? Let's just pray for the people of Iran right now. 
Let's pray for those people. Let's pray for those pastors. I've been thinking about them this week. I don't know why, but my mind went back to them. I think the Holy Spirit's prompted me to pray over those young men and women who are leading churches right now. Even as I speak, it's nighttime in Iran. They're having their Sunday evening services. They're gathered, hunkered down, hiding. Just like this story in Acts chapter 12, Peter's in prison. And I'm gonna pray today for you to find rest. Some of your souls need to settle today. You just need to let your soul settle. You need to take a deep breath. Your situation may be dire, and I'm not reducing what's happening in your life. I'm not at all minimalizing the pressure that you're feeling. It's real, and I know that. But God knows you, and the power of the Lord is not limited. God has not weakened in his age. He is the same today as he was yesterday. And he'll be the same God tomorrow for you. So I want to just pray for you as your pastor today, and then we're going to come to the table of the Lord. Father in heaven, I love these people. I love them. I love you. But you, I cannot imagine how much you love them. We will never know the height, the depth, the weight of your love for us. For you so loved the world that you sent your son. And here we are on this Sunday of Advent, thinking about the arrival of Jesus, thinking about your return, thinking about you coming again for a second time. Father, today I pray for hope to spill out in this room on every person sitting in the room. Every person watching online today, I pray you would saturate them with hope and with joy and with strength from on high. Father, I pray today, especially for students, high school, junior high, elementary students, college students. Lord, they, they feel such anxiety. They feel such pressure in this moment they're living in. They're being confronted with so many things that look like the truth, but it's not. And that, Lord, they're having to discern. They're having to make judgments about things. And I pray today you would give them divine wisdom. I pray you would settle their soul. I pray for young men and women in this room that they would sleep well and awaken refreshed. I pray, Lord, that the anxiety about tomorrow, the uncertainty for their future would wane away and that the peace of the Lord would umpire their thoughts and minds. I pray you'd give moms and dads, aunts and uncles, grandma and grandpas strength in this room. Lord, I pray for single men and women, Lord. I pray, you, Lord, that you would set them into, Lord, friendships and community, deep, deep friendships. Father, I confront loneliness that comes against all of us. I pray that not one person in this room would feel alone today. I pray that not one person watching online would be left in their place of loneliness. I pray today you'd surround them with voices of strength and encouragement in their lives. I pray today that you would fill all of us with the Holy Spirit today. Saturate us with your goodness and your spirit. Let the blessings of the Lord pour out on us. Let us know you. Let us see you. Let us hear your voice. Let us listen carefully. Lord, let us pray boldly. And may we trust you completely. And we pray this now in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. All God's people said, amen. If you're new today, we're going to come to the table of the Lord. What a great way to end our time today by coming to the table of the Lord to honor his broken body, his spilled blood, the sacrifice that he made for us. So if you're a believer in Jesus, the table is open for you. If you love Jesus, you know Jesus. If Christ is Lord of your life, or the way we do it, you're going to get out and walk. And it's a physical response. I like the fact that we walk out, that we come forward, that we're responding. So take the bread, take the cup. 
go back to your seat. We're going to worship together just for a few minutes. And then Pastor Daniel is going to come and lead us to the table of the Lord. Come, come to the table.
sense that I have is that today the Lord wants to restore us to rest. He wants to give us peace. I, I, I had a picture of a bunch of you just taking a great nap today and taking it by faith as a statement that Jesus has rest for us even in the midst of the swirl. And so would you open your hands today as you prepare to receive your communion elements. Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, think about the storm that he was in. Think about the fear that he was living in. Think about all of the, the darkness pressing in, but Jesus had the leisureliness in his spirit to have a meal. And so today I pray that that leisureliness, that rest, that peace would be given to us. On the night he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it and he said, this is my body, which is broken for you. And as often as you do it, do it for the remembrance of me. Friends today, the Prince of Peace, has peace for all of us, you may receive the bread. You know what I also believe he wants to do? I believe he wants to unclutter our minds. Some of you are aware of the foolishness, the sin, the shame. The enemy wants to heap shame on us today and Jesus comes with a cup and he says, this cup is the new covenant and it's given in my blood and it's given for the remission of your sins. That doesn't sound like a God who's mad at us. That doesn't sound like a God who wants to wag the finger at us. That doesn't sound like a God who wants to put shame over us for the rest of our lives. He says, I'm washing it away today. I'm renewing you. I'm blessing you today with a clean conscience. Friends, if you've called on the name of Jesus, if you've longed for him today, he's here to wash you clean of your sins. You may drink the cup today. Now I'm going to ask you, normally this is where we kind of get quick and we pray and we move. I'm going to ask you to settle in for just a few more minutes because we're going to pray blessing over these children. So I want to invite families that are here to dedicate their children. I want to invite them down to the front. Would you give it up for these families who are bringing their precious babies here? We're keeping up with the Catholics. Look at all these people. Good God Almighty. It's working. They just keep coming from everywhere. Look at this. The whole front of the room is filling up with families. Okay, what we're gonna do here is we're gonna go family by family, moms and dads. One of you, could you tell us the child's name and age? So we have Bristol Cunningham here, and she's three months old. Three months old. What a beauty. This is Colton Mills, uh, and he is uh, a year old. Right. A year, Colton. 
This is Hudson Wayne, and he's three months. Hey, can we get a picture of that face? He's sleeping. You got a, you got a camera? Get right sleeping up. Sleeping through the dedication. He's just out. <laughs> we got another sleeper. And we got another sleeper. Praise the Lord. This is Melina Bird, and she's a year. A year. Thank you. Brady, don't take it personally that they were sleeping during your sermon. Hi, I'm Gabe. This is my wife, Kelly, and we're dedicating uh, six-month-old Eleanor today. Look Beautiful. Six months old. This is my beautiful wife, Kelly, and our son, Tate Daniel, 15 months. Oh, 15 months. This is Madeline James Reasoner, and she is eight months old. Eight, eight months. months. All right. Hi, I'm Caleb, and this is my wife, Keely, and this is our daughter, Sadie, and she is 17 months old. Okay. 17 months. Hi, this is Zachariah J. Tybe, and he is four months old. All right. Beautiful. Fantastic. Hi, I'm Preston. This is my wife, Alyssa, and this is Rhett Peterson. He's two months old, and this is Palmer, and she is six months old. Oh. Amazing. Sorry, One more time. Oh, fantastic. For all these families. Okay. I'm going to talk. I'm going to look at the moms and the dads and these kids here, but church, I'm talking to all of us, okay? And a lot of, a lot of you have children, so I just want you to think about your kids as we're dedicating these kids. Pastor Brady said, when we feel powerless, we always have the power of prayer. And you watch the news and you read the, the stats and all the updates on the kids and the schools and what it's like. When you feel powerless, you always have the power of prayer. And so we today as a church, we're gonna pray the blessing of God stamped on their heads and stamped on their souls and stamped on their futures and stamped on their relationships that these kids, that not one of them would be lost. Amen? And as you pray, church, I want you to pray over your kids too, that they would be protected. When you feel powerless, we have the power of prayer. So moms and dads, you're dedicating your children today, but you're also dedicating yourselves to raise these kids in the nurture and the admonition of the Word of God. And so church, would you stretch your hands out today and begin to speak your blessing? Sweet sleep, health, provision, peace. Go ahead and use your words to speak your blessing over these families, over these children. Lord, for these kids, we say thank you for the gift of life. Children are a heritage from the Lord, a reward, a gift, a blessing. And you've blessed these families and we receive these children as a blessing from heaven. And we speak blessing over them for all the days of their lives. We rebuke the devil in Jesus' name. Come on, church, pray. We rebuke the devil over them. And we thank you that the enemy will be driven out. The thief will not steal and will not kill and will not destroy these kids. But these kids will say yes to Jesus and Jesus will give them abundant life. So we speak abundant life over these children. We thank you for good health and fullness. We, we thank you for peace for these children. We thank you for courage for these children. We thank you that these children would rise up in boldness and that they would rebuke the devil and cast him out. <laughs> that they would not be back foot Christians, but that they would be on their front foot, that they would be engaged, that they would be aggressive. Lord, we thank you for sweet sleep at night for these kids. We thank you that they'll lay their heads down at night knowing they're safe and knowing they're loved and knowing that they're yours. 
Lord, we pray for the moms and dads. Wisdom, 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 wisdom at every critical juncture. You will know what to say. You will know what to do. And we thank you, Lord, that you're gonna bond their hearts with their parents, that these kids will always be tender-hearted toward their parents. And so we release blessing over these homes. Let every home be filled with the glory of God. Let every home be filled with the joy of the Spirit that will be their strength. Let every home be filled with life and childlikeness and playfulness and blessing. Lord, we as a church say, Lord, bless these kids and keep them and make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lord, smile big on these children and their families and would you grant them peace. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Church, can we give it up for these families one more time? Okay, we're gonna go back into this to sing our way out of here. So just, just give us a couple more minutes. Let's worship the Lord. Come on, my soul, let's sing it. Church, we walked through this room twice today. Some of y'all burned some calories in the house of God. It's okay, you can laugh there. Anyway, you don't have to go, to go to the gym today, you're fine. But would you open your hands today to receive the blessing as you go? And we agree with Pastor Brady that today it's done. This is the day. We thank you for that, Lord, for what you've done here. We thank you for the, the unity that's in this house. We thank you for the joy that's in this house. And I pray over my friends. Would you work to perfect everything that concerns them? Would you pour your favor out on them? Would you make it so they lack nothing? Lord, in all their relationships, we speak shalom, peace. For those that they're praying for, that they're aching for, we call them home today in Jesus' name. For the things that scare us, Lord, rebuke the fear and give us strength today. I pray, bless my friends and keep them. Make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them. Lord, smile big on this church and grant us peace, we pray in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and all God's people said. Can we give God thanks for what he's done here today? 1019, what a good morning. Hey, we'll see you at first Wednesday this week, 6.30 right here in this room. The prayer team is coming if you have any prayer needs. Go from here in God's grace and peace. Much love.